Live from New York, it's the Fantasy Empire. I'm Theo Greminger, and as always, Chris Vaccaro here. Um, I'm filling in for Nando DeFino. Um, shout out to Nando. We hope you're doing well. Nando will be back in the Fantasy Empire soon. But uh, Chris, w- this is like a, you know, we skipped the music today on the opening. We're going like a cold opening because no this music, is a really Theo. tough, this is a tough one. I mean, mm-hmm. We got to talk about the big injuries to start out the show. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. What is a harder thing for fantasy managers to deal with? Losing Justin Jefferson, who you took with the 101. uh, I mean, that's absolutely catastrophic. But losing Devon A-Chain, who in my NFFC and FFPC leagues, I would take him around round 10. Mm-hmm. For some people in home leagues, they got him as a waiver wire ad. And in some leagues, he fell to like the 12th round. Any way you cut it, he was like found money for fantasy managers. So what is a harder blow to take, Jefferson or A-Chain? Well, it's Jefferson, uh, Theo. But, um, you know, and, and as for A-Chain, you've been, in my, uh, you've been in my thoughts all week, Theo. My condolences to you, my friend. Uh, it's I not over. It's been a rough week. It's, it's just possible. That's right. It'll, yes. it'll, it'll, he'll come back at some point. And so will Jefferson. But uh, for your question, Theo, I still think it's Jefferson. He was the one, one, he's the anchor of your team. Uh, you know, you, you had a banked in 25 points every week, the guy that you built your team around. So for me to answer that question, it would still be Jefferson, but don't get me wrong. When you hit on that mid round superstar breakout pick uh, and, and then you add that to a solid fantasy team around it, um, you know, those are devastating just as well, Theo. So, you know, neither one feel good. They both are kicking the balls to you and your fantasy team. But uh, when you lose your first round pick, it's tough to overcome that throughout the course of the season, Theo. And trust me, I know that as a big Nick Chubb owner this year going at that one, two turn, you look at your teams, you look back on your teams and it's like, oh my God, I have a solid team here. If I could have just had Nick Chubb back in on this team, where could I have possibly been? So it's tough to overcome both of these losses, but uh, if you drafted well early on, you could still get by with the loss of A-Chain for the next month or so. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. If you drafted Justin Jefferson, you're it's really, really tough for you to overcome, overcome mm-hmm. that, especially because like you would have had to kind of nail kind of the nuts at the 2-3 at the turn in FFPC, or in NFFC, you know, with the third round reversal, you would have really had to to nail it, um, you know, with the two twelve, and then potentially your next two picks. But yeah, there's been some. There hasn't been like a ton of slam dunk, give you big time production guys coming from that range. So yeah. I don't know. The Justin Jefferson one hurts a lot, but I'll say Chris. How about how about change? this? I'm sorry, Thea. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You I, go, go. How about this? Because I was looking through a couple of my leagues. How about all the guys that um, decided to go split it up? If you had a bunch of number one overall picks this year, Theo, and you went Jamar Chase at one, and then Jefferson went second. And I was in three big drafts where this happened. Um, Actually, the one that we were in, in New York City, uh, Jamar Chase went one, and Jefferson fell to two. And through four weeks, how big of a, 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 like, uh, it looked like a major mistake if you passed on Jefferson at one and now all of a sudden you look up in week five and it flips completely. You're like, Oh my God, I, I 
got such a break here. Jefferson's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Looks like Jamar Chase is back. He blows up this past week, and, and you have a, a lot more confidence in him going forward. Now, all of a sudden, that flips the people that took a chance on, on Chase and Jefferson. Because as we got to our big drafts the last couple weeks of the season, it seemed like the the, the gap was closing between Jace, Chase and, and Jefferson for that number one pick. And a lot of people were like, yeah, you know what? It's maybe 60-40 in Jefferson's side. But if I have a bunch of number one picks, I'm going to split them up, you know, on a two-to-one type uh, breakdown. And, and some people did that. And now it's, uh, you know, a, a really big difference. But I'm sorry to cut you off. There. No, we're, no, we're no. I think other. I yeah. think it's a it's a great it's a great point, and I think it's mm-hmm. like the narratives change so quickly in fantasy football. Guys do get healthier, offenses do get better, and like the the chase, it was more like the Joe Burrow was kind of left for dead, and then you have the combination of Cincinnati just saying we're getting the ball to chase every single uh, time we have an opportunity to, and Joe Burrow getting healthy at the right time. And then you flip that around with Minnesota's season is falling apart. They're heading into Chicago. And I and I really believe yeah. like this is the tilting game for them. They could drop to one and five and, and they could lose a divisional game at the same time. And Cincinnati, they're sitting at two and three now. Joe Burrow looks healthier. And mm-hmm. the division looks kind of up for grabs now. Baltimore uh, is having some issues. Pittsburgh is is, you know, somewhat limited, and Cleveland is somewhat limited as well. So yeah, it's it's definitely a funny point. And Chris, the the like the boomer one hundred and one mm-hmm. pick, the 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 like the old man pick of the guy saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Christian McCaffrey. That guy looks like the sharpest guy in the room. Uh, we talked about this on the fantasy sure does. last week. You know that it's that's that's your cheat code. That's your thirty points per game. So the narratives yeah. change all the time. Um, and Chris, I also and it's think- funny too. This past week, you know, McCaffrey had his first like you know off game. You know where he didn't go completely crazy but when you look at the top of draft boards usually there's like a you know a big miss Theo really wasn't you know everybody was right with how we broke down the the top of the first round with Tyreek Hill McCaffrey Chase Justin Jefferson Stefan Diggs should have been the locked in number five or six overall pick so the top five or six overall off the board are all performing as the top six fantasy players pretty much so far no, you're you're right about that, and and I think the first round you had a you had a number of hits. Also, wide receiver spot, you know, AJ Brown, Amon mm-hmm. Ross, St. Brown. Like if we redrafted today, those guys are are still in the first round. So, um, yeah. yeah, you just can't predict these injuries. And Chris, I'll also say, you you never see the the repeat wide receiver one overall anymore. Like last year was Cooper Cup was on his way there. Mm-hmm. This year, Justin Jefferson. He was going to be in the mix. I mean, I don't think you could necessarily right put him as the favorite, but he's right up there. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, it's every single year now that the repeat wide receiver one just does not happen. I think we have to go back to Antonio Brown years and years ago to, to find that. Um, it's a little bit wild. You always think of running back as a position where that would be very difficult to repeat on. It's the, but curse at- of, the curse of the number one overall fantasy pick, the consensus number one overall pick. It seems like three, four years in a row he's gone down. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other the other thing, we, we, we're going to touch base on some of these wide receivers that were, excuse me, some of these running backs that were being drafted in this range. But like James Conner, by all intents and purposes, you spend an eighth round pick on him in NFFC, seventh round pick sometimes. He's returned value there, and you've been able to get starts out of him. 
and he gets injured. He gets sent to the IR, and the Jefferson and A-Chain injuries were so massive that we're not even like discussing it. No shows are like, how do we react to James Conner? Because it's so unconsequential when you talk about like the potential wide receiver one and potential RB2 overall uh, in A-Chain. It's just wild times. Yeah, Theo, it really is. The Connor blow is really going under the radar, I feel like. You're right. Um, you know, he was going in that eighth, ninth round range, um, you know, in, in falling into like the, the late 80s and 90s overall sometimes. Um, you know, his back, uh, for me personally, I dropped so many Keontae Ingram shares over the last week or two. And then sure enough, this happens, Theo. Um, for Connor, last week... <laughs> I only have one share of James Conner in a big spot, Theo, and uh, I haven't played him through the first three weeks because I have some nice running backs ahead of him. Sure enough, I put him in this week. I said, I can't keep watching these points on my fantasy bench. Uh, I put him in, and of course, boom, he gets hurt, and he has his first bad game. But in that range, he was a home run pick, and and he was going to continue to do that, in my opinion, on an offense that we felt coming in, we really wanted no part of. He, you know, Arizona's offense was one of those offenses that we were mostly avoiding. And uh, Connor was, you know, totally outplaying his ADP. But in that range, uh, once you got past Connor and that Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert range, it was a complete miss of running backs in that range other than Raheem Mostert, right? Who now all of a sudden with your A-Chain's injury uh, gets a complete bump. Uh, you know, it, it looks like he's for the foreseeable future locked into an RB one top six overall, uh, you know, spot every week uh, for Mostert, I would say in this, in this offense. But when you look at that range of the draft, Theo, where Mostert was going, what a, what a swing or miss type of situation. These were the guys that were going around Raheem Mostert on the draft board. If you remember in that 95 to like 120 range. We had A.J. Dillon bust, Dalvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, Rashad Penny, Tank Bigsby, Sam Pirine, and Jarek McKinnon. Every one of them is a complete miss to the point where you are actually thinking about dropping them if you haven't already. All of them. Okay, it's the sabotage that, drop, Chris. That's the it classic was. sabotage drop guy. Yeah. But think about all those names. That's the, you know we all do this. We get into that pocket of every of our drafts in that ninth, tenth round range, and we're like, all right, we need a solid RB three or four, depending on how we built our teams, and that's where we were going. So everyone missed. But if you took Mostert, think about how your whole entire draft flipped. You wound up getting an RB one out of a mix of eight or nine other running backs that are waiver wire drop material. So making that one pick, I look at my drafts, Theo, I go back and it pains me because I look and I, you know, Mostert was my target in that range. So I do have a lot of Mostert, which is, you know, bailing me out. But I'll look at certain drafts and I'll be like, ooh, I diversified in this one and I took Penny and then Mostert was the next pick after that. Dylan I took and Mostert was the next pick after that. That's the difference between 100 and 125 more points or less points on your fantasy team, you know, that's the difference between a one and four start, maybe in a four and one start that one pick can flip your draft completely upside down. It's crazy how that happens back to your original point of a chain in the 10th or 11th round, how it completely flipped the outlook of your fantasy team so far through five weeks. If you had a chain or you went in a different direction. Yeah, it's the 
and you, you talk about a chain versus the other rookies like mm-hmm. the the Bigsby's and the Charbonnets. How Oof. he's you know it's it was a similar bet for upside, and you totally missed if you if you didn't go in the right direction there. And I'll say that the Mostert pick is actually super interesting because you saw a lot of structural drafters going with the choice of either getting those early points from Jamal Williams or getting those early points from Raheem Mostert. Yes. And a lot of people went Williams over Mostert. He ran too. He ran too. He ran too. And the, it's just like the the boring veteran pick. One of them's been like not quite a league winner, but almost a league winner in, in Mostert so far. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about how Miami is going to react from, from A-Chain. We're going to talk about, you know, potentially a couple other running backs who are going to make an impact uh, in Miami after we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states. And you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. Welcome back to the Fantasy Empire. I am Theo Greminger filling in for Nando DeFino. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by, by Chris Vaccaro. Uh, Chris, you know, you talked about Raheem Mostert, and, you know, it's it's obvious the impact he's had. But Jeff Wilson is coming off of the IR. This yeah. is a guy that last year had nine weeks where he was an RB2 or better. And a lot of times in the in the preseason – it became down from like a Wilson versus Mostert argument. And there was a lot of sharp money on Wilson in best ball and a lot of sharp money on Wilson in redraft. Uh, Of course he gets injured towards the end of the summer and people's, you know, obviously adjust to Mostert and a chain, but what are your expectations for Wilson? Because as good as Mostert's been, he hasn't been a guy who stayed on the field most of the time in his career. Yeah. Uh, my expectation is I want to see if he, uh, you know, what the news is in this next day or two, if he's definitely going to come back and play and breaking news, uh, Theo into uh, fantasy empire. They did just place your boy a chain on IR officially. So that hope of maybe missing just two weeks or, or something like that, uh, is done now. So that's going to be four games plus, um, you know, you're looking at after the bye week, uh, for Miami. And I believe that's week 10. I yeah, think well, Miami, I gotta say, I gotta say, of... Chris, I gotta say, Chris, yeah. from everyone in fantasy football, from everyone at Player Profiler, <laughs> everyone in high stakes fantasy, get well soon, King. Just yes, rest it up, well you know. Come back and come back and win us the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. Uh, a chain, we believe in you, and uh, we're gonna keep our heads up, Chris. You know, this is mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna adjust. We're not gonna let that that IR. Said Theo, gotta fight through. Go. We gotta we fight through this, Theo. We're in this together, through. buddy. Yeah, we're in this together. As for Wilson, though, Theo, um, you know, it's going to be funny because 
I don't think he's available a lot in our leagues. Uh, he's mostly already been scooped up and, and yeah. you know, and stashed. But people are going to drop the bag on him tonight, Theo. And my question is, are we going to be I, – I, I feel like – how do I say this, Theo? I feel like um, with a couple situations here, you know, we got to adjust to – these guys aren't out for the season, okay? And, and we're going to be bidding on – these situations in Miami and in Chicago and Arizona tonight. And we're acting as if the starting running back went down and is gone for the season. And we're getting a starting running back and we're dropping big numbers on these guys. If a Jeff Wilson isn't ready to come back into our fantasy lineup this week, uh, you know, what are we doing here? You know, most are still going to be the clear starter. Salvan Ahmed is going to factor in, I I believe. I think he deserves warranted uh, free agent money. Uh, tonight on the waiver wire and then you look up and and a chain will be back hopefully just say in in five weeks so what are we really overpaying for with jeff wilson you know if he had the backfield to himself yeah sure four or five hundred dollars fab money is warranted but he's still going to come into a a time split he's going to be on the you know less than 50 percent of the snaps to mostert and whatever ahmed chips in as well. So I think you're going to see crazy numbers for Wilson. I just don't know if they're going to be warranted. I don't know. So I would push back a little bit. I think mm-hmm. it's you're, you're chasing, you're chasing the offense as much as anything. Cause this offense yeah. has just been lightning in a bottle. And again, it's more of a anti Mostert play and not an anti Mostert play. Yeah. in. I think Mostert is going to regress. I just don't know if Mostert can hold up with the volume. <laughs> Understood. So Wilson has had a 10 touchdown season and he's had a six touchdown season last year and he was productive. And this was Mike McDaniel's guy. He signed Mostert, um, you know, as one of his first free agent signings, but then he goes and trades for Wilson guy familiarity with that. He had in San Francisco for both of them. Um, So I don't know. It's more of a, and then Chris also bring up like a nightmare scenario that I don't want to have to like even think about, but Let's say Devon A chain comes back and can't get over a knee injury. Knee injuries are funny. Sure. So sure. um sure. I don't know. For me, it's I want to fill my bench with some of these guys that I have contingent upside in the better offenses, but it gets difficult because of all the bye weeks. Now, let me ask you another injury replacement guy. Yeah. KJ Osborne, who's not going to be available in NFFC leagues, mm-hmm. but he's available in like 90% of Yahoo leagues. And I imagine in, in, in a lot of home leagues, he was a huge, a huge uh, fab bid kind of guy. And he's sitting out there in some FFPC leagues right now, not too many. What are your thoughts on Osborne as the new replacement for Jefferson? Not necessarily a replacement, but he'll see his snaps. Yeah, Theo, another guy that I think people are going to go overboard for. But listen, all these guys are major fab you know, uh, fab budget, fab budget acquisitions deal. They all going to demand big money and understandably so. Okay. We don't get this type of, um, you know, this many chances off the waiver wire to add guys that we could bring right into our starting lineup. I think that KJ Osborne will be able to do that, but at the same time, he is a wide receiver compared to a running back. And in the high stakes market, the running backs are more warranted. If I'm going to drop the bag on one of these, guys that are available off the waiver wire. And listen, we're at this point right now. We're going into week six. We're hitting bye weeks. Teams are already decimated with injuries. We're just trying to survive a a lot of these leagues and situations right now. So when you could get a player like Osborne 
Jeff Wilson, all these guys off waiver wires. Yeah, we got to go after them heavy, but I'd rather go after the running backs than the receivers. Okay. KJ Osborne's going to have a nice opportunity in an offense where, uh, you know, listen, he's definitely, he's far from Justin Jefferson, but he's not coming in to be the number one here. I still think Hawkinson's going to see a nice uptick. I still give the advantage to Addison uh, going forward here for the next four weeks. Okay. I still think Jefferson will be back Chris, in five pause, weeks. Pause yeah. Addison. Mm-hmm. Addison, like there's been some mixed opinions on this. Like I think he's like wide receiver 15 now moving forward with no Jefferson. Where, where would you have Addison like in your confidence level in him uh, in the, the next, the next few weeks? Like how much of an uptick? Ooh. Low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. I'm not going to okay. go overboard. I'm not going to. I don't. I wouldn't go as high as you, Theo. I don't. I don't see him as like top fifteen. I think there'll be some weeks over the next five where he has that nice six for eighty in a touchdown game, and I. I think there'll be games where he plays, you know, his four for fifty type uh, of role here. But I would, if you know, I have him over Osborne. In yeah. a weekly ranking, I would do that. So now, what are we? What are we doing with Osborne? So he's the third target still, or you know, he goes from the fourth target to the third target in this Minnesota offense that I think is going to be in a lot of trouble moving forward here over the next month. And uh, you know, and as for that Minnesota offense, you can't play Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins goes from oh my god, I hit the home run at the quarterback position, waiting on quarterback and getting Kirk Cousins and his. 303 touchdowns weekly type outlook to I'm not playing Kirk Cousins. And there's a lot of quarterbacks now that we could throw in that range. If you think about it with Kirk Cousins, we just lose Anthony Richardson for those uh, fantasy drafters that hit a home run on him, as well as Daniel Jones being unplayable. So that's three right there out of the top quarterbacks that were going in that nine to 15 overall type range that have just dropped out. So quarterback positions taking a hit as well. Another quarterback who went down is Anthony Richardson, who's mm-hmm. also headed to the IR and yeah. was also a guy that you started getting excited about in your lineup, um, you know, especially with his immense upside. Maybe didn't have the floor that we'd seen early from Kirk Cousins, but on any particular week, Anthony Richardson could rip off three touchdown runs. Uh, what do you think of Gardner Minshew coming in? And specifically, does this make you more intrigued about Michael Pittman, and the guy I like a lot, Josh Downs. Yeah, Josh Downs. We, t- you know, I talked about him with Nando in August. Uh, that he was that guy that you should throw a dollar on in auctions at the end of your auction game, and uh, you know, take a stab on him in the last couple rounds of your drafts. But it's so crazy how things work out. And I was totally wrong on Anthony Richardson through the first five weeks. Theo, I was somebody that I have no shares of, and I was wasn't touching, and. It's funny because when we talked about this Colts offense in August, I said, you know, everybody's forgetting Michael Pittman, you know, in, in on draft boards. Nobody wants Michael Pittman. But what if Anthony Richardson struggles so much out of the gate that they have to sit him down? What happens if, you know, what happens if that happens and he's just unsuccessful and they bring in a gunslinger like Gardner Minshew? We're all going to be sitting there with, you know, all, with regret that we didn't take eighth round Michael Pittman uh, all summer long. And so the opposite happened. Richardson gets hurt, unfortunately. And now it's Minshew instead of Richardson was, you know, not productive and we get Gardner Minshew, but the same, you know, the same outcome 
you know, results here. Uh, Minshew comes in and I think Pittman gets a huge bump. I think Downs gets a huge bump now where he could steadily be played as a wide receiver three on your fantasy team. And I think Pittman's in line now for the foreseeable future to see some really big weeks as the alpha wide receiver one in this offense. So huge upgrade for, for him. Minshew, uh, you're going to see people go and, 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 you know, drop a couple bucks on him just to maybe back up your starting quarterback, maybe drop some Daniel Jones shares, maybe make the flip of dropping Anthony Richardson. I don't think you see Anthony Richardson again, Theo, um, either this season or maybe late in the season. So for our main regular season of fantasy, you could forget about Anthony Richardson and I'm totally fine dropping him. The timetable now, as of this morning was four to eight weeks. And Steichen already said that uh, when asked if we'll see him again this season, he doesn't know. So AC joint, he got the bad, uh, bad AC joint. You're not going to see him for a while. But the only one that benefits, in my opinion, out of all this is Michael Pittman. And I hate it for Richardson because, like, he's such a fun player to watch and a guy that you've really rooted for. Um, you know, he's a guy that when you hear him in interviews, he's just super likable, uh, seemed like a real face of the franchise type guy. And now he's gotten injured in multiple games. These kind of guys I worry about, Chris. This is like what we saw with RG3 when he was a rookie. Um, you know, you take those big hits, even if you're 250 pounds and 6'5". Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you hate seeing that. It's concussion. And then this AC joint, that's a, that's not a good injury. What are your thoughts on no. Richardson being un- unable to protect himself? Yeah, I mean, and it goes along with all these quarterbacks, Theo. When you're a Lamar Jackson owner, when you're a Jalen Hurts owner, you know, you hold your breath every time you see these guys take off. Now, that's why we draft them so highly and and want these types of quarterbacks that could take off and run and help you out every week on the ground. But, you know, they come with this caveat that at any point they could take the big hit uh, and go down with the concussion, with the, you know, with the in-game concussion, the in-game injury and and you know, we're learning now every week, these in-game injuries, they sink your week. You know, you lose your quarterback in, in the first quarter and you take a four at the position. You lose your star running back receiver early in the game and take a, you know, a two point. Those are the weeks that sink you, you know, for that week. And they hurt in the long term. You drop one of those hundred point weeks. Now you fall behind in your league. Um, you know, it's tough, but listen, we're never going to stop drafting these, you know, mobile quarterbacks, Theo. It's just you just every week hold your breath that you get through the game. Well, one quarterback where we could would not call a mobile quarterback, but he's getting a ton of rushing attempts is Baker Mayfield. Mayfield's yeah. sitting there on some waiver wires, and he's like quarterback 14 on the year in points per game. Comes off of a three-touchdown game. Um, and Chris, they're giving him like six to eight rush attempts per game. So mm-hmm. where are you at on Baker Mayfield as like a replacement? And kind of maybe would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Gardner Minshew? Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, I'd rather have going forward. And it's funny, you know, you look at our waiver wires at the quarterback position and there's really not much available. There's the same four or five guys available on the wire the Jimmy Garoppolo, Zach Wilson's and, 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 you know, guys like that. There's not much out there. If you need help, uh, the Desmond Ritters of the world who ironically dropped a 32 point game, uh, last week, they but, uh, Baker Mayfield, I'm waiting to see what the update is here on Mike Evans. You know, when we last saw the, you know, Buccaneers, Evans left with a hamstring injury injury, and that would, 
that would change my outlook. If Evans is going to miss a couple weeks or he's not ready this week, um, I don't think I could go back in and play Baker Mayfield, pick him up or uh, and, and play him. This week we only have the two bye weeks, uh, and it's two teams with quarterbacks in, in Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love that we're not trying to replace. But if he was dropped before his bye week, Baker Mayfield, and you want to play the long game, I know I've done that with a lot of uh, my Lamar Jackson teams. I've put Baker Mayfield on my bench to back him up. Um, I don't have a problem with it playing the, playing the long game, but if you need him for this particular week here, it'd be based on what the status of Mike Evans is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, thoughts on Trey Palmer? Is it a guy that you've added to any teams or you're intrigued by as a potential replacement? Again, yeah, same same thing. If if I get a practice report today that Evans doesn't look like he's ready to go, well, then all those Trey Palmer uh, bids uh, for tonight are, are going to get bumped up, and I would see him as the uh, you know the the wide receiver two coming in behind Godwin, who would get a huge bump up into basically wide receiver one, uh, you know, top twelve territory for this week versus the Lions secondary that's taken a lot of hits, Theo, but. Palmer's that nice guy that could come in, give you a six for 60 type game and, and help you out, uh, you know, for those uh, George Pickens, uh, Christian Watson teams that you had to take uh, guys out of your your starting lineup for week six. People be more excited about Trey Palmer if they thought of him as LSU Trey Palmer than Nebraska <laughs> Trey Palmer. You want those yeah. LSU wide receivers on our team? When I say Nebraska, yeah. it's like, ah. Yeah, and but, it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, give right. me LSU, right. Trey Palmer. Oh, yeah. yeah, let me get me Trey Palmer from LSU. <laughs> Chris, let, we want to give a quick shout-out to the chat. It's lit today. Um, yeah. Joanna, Tyler, Pablo. Uh, smash the like button, everybody. It definitely helps the show. Um, and shout-out to Card Palace. Apparently, Chris, I always bend down on podcasts instead of, like, sitting like this. So, Shout out I was to just going to gonna say, you're getting a complaint. You're getting a posture it's every, complaint it's, there, it's Theo. Every, it's every, show, every show I get one. Shout out to the Card Palace. I will, I will, you know, I'll keep you in mind for sure. I'll try not to bend over. Uh, guys, I want let's take a quick uh, trade question. And I think this is an interesting one, Chris, because it's more of a long-term versus short-term type trade. Should mm-hmm. I trade Zach Moss for A-Chain? I'm three and two, and I have a pretty good team. And Moss sits on my bench. I think you... 1 million percent make this trade a manster what do you think chris yeah now that's a trade you got to make here um and i'm i'm torn i don't know what to do with all my zach moss shares uh i have a lot of zach moss theo and last week i think i played him in one league out of like six or seven that i have him in i I expected i should have looked at the situation a little better not thinking that jonathan taylor was going to step right into the lead spot but when you factor that in versus the uh, you know the Titans tough run D, well, which was at the time tough right uh, tough run defense that Zach Moss shredded, I, I should have gotten Zach Moss in my lineup, and now I'm faced with that again this week. And I think as a Zach Moss owner, that's what you're going to be facing more and more of going forward as Jonathan Taylor takes more over the backfield. This is the time coming off a 33 point fantasy week where you're moving Zach Moss in leagues that you have them, that you could trade them because it's only going to, his, his workload is only going to, you know, come back to the, to the pack as Jonathan Taylor's increases going forward. So yeah, play the long game, see if you could get a chain off uh, of that owner's hands for the Zach Moss and, and play it out. Now I would love to see the guy be four and one uh, instead of three and two and make that move. If you were four and one, I'm clicking hit real quick on that, but I'm still, uh, you know, I like to play the the game of risk, Theo. I'm playing the long game. Give me A-Chain. 
Yeah, you have to take H in that trade. And Moss is interesting, Chris, because Taylor comes back. Taylor plays a minimal amount of snaps, gets a minimal amount of carries. But Indianapolis told us that would be the case. Again, he's been away from the team until very recently. And Moss goes nuts. Moss has had multiple weeks now of of running back one production. Um, It's been like found money. I'm not so sure that Moss has not played well enough to warrant, let's say, 10 to 12 touches a game, even with Taylor, you know, so, you know, depending on the context of your team, that might be good enough for, for flex value. Like Moss might be the kind of guy that can give you those like 11 points and get you through. Um, What are your thoughts on how this is going to be? Yeah. I was going to throw that back at you, Theo. I was going to say as a Moss owner, which I just said, I'm thoroughly confused on what to do. I see him on my bench and I, let's be honest, Theo, when you look at the running back landscape, we don't have, the crazy depth some sure some of our teams we have three two three really nice running backs that we could plug in and then there's a lot of teams that i'm just struggling every week at the rb2 position and you look and zach moss has gotten me through september but how do we not just keep plugging this guy in even as jonathan as we know Taylor's going to slowly take over the backfield and be the bell cow but moss is playing so great that how does he not warrant 10 to 12 touches Every week, even when we look up a month from now and it's Jonathan Taylor's backfield, you know, how do you just take what Zach Moss has done in September and say, hit the bricks, buddy, you know, you're going to play 10 snaps a game and you're going to get three or four touches a game. I can't see that happening. You know, I think Moss has earned the right now to going forward to be in a 60-40 Jonathan Taylor advantage split. And it's crazy to say that because of Jonathan Taylor's talent. And we might look back in a month from now and go, what were we thinking? Jonathan Taylor is, you know, the top three running back in the league. And, you know, we can't let Zach Moss even get any touches. But from what we've seen the first month, Zach Moss has made a complete career turn and looks phenomenal. Yeah, and and these coaches like Shane Steichen, like he's a smart guy. He's been with Mm -hmm. a winning organization in Philadelphia and when a guy's been this productive and you just put him on the bench just to get another guy touches, like locker rooms don't don't like that. Um, this is like, you know, yeah. a guy like Zach Moss has been really producing. So I, I think he's gonna like Taylor's gonna have to play his way into like the bell cow role, but it's I mean, it's coming. If you have Jonathan Taylor, he's an RB1, you're starting him every week. Don't overthink it. Um but yeah, Zach Moss is definitely an, an interesting uh, one. Are you playing Taylor though? How about this? Are you playing Taylor this week? Yes. All right. So you got burned in week one by Taylor. If you had him in your lineup last week and you feel confident enough now starting this week that Taylor is going to get more than the 10 touches he got last week. I do. I think that you also have the the fact that it's Minshew as a starter versus Richardson. And I think they're going to have mm-hmm. to lean on those running backs because as much as we talked about Pittman and Downs as guys we like, they're very limited in terms of the playmakers that they have. So I think getting each running back touches, um, especially to like fill in for what they were going to get out of Richardson, makes a lot of sense. And Chris, like for me, it's I can't bench Jonathan Taylor. I'm already I already yeah. took, played him last week, and I don't want to miss the game. Like minimal touches sure. could be he falls in the end zone twice too. So like, this, no, I got you. You pay that money. You you got it. You got to play. You got to play your studs. What a, what a steal. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's going to be such a steal later on in, in the season, Theo, when we look, you know, that last week of the season, Jonathan Taylor was going in the eighth and ninth rounds of our high stakes drafts because people expected him. We knew he was missing the first month of the season at minimum, but I think the consensus was that he was going to either sit out the season or, you know, drag out everything, maybe six, seven, eight weeks down. And nobody was willing to take a, a top six round pick on that. And he was falling to the point now where you look up and the two biggest home run picks on the board for value wise that last week of the season are going to be the two guys that were the biggest question marks in every draft that final week. And that was Cooper cup and Jonathan Taylor. And, and we go right back into crazy value on the two of them. Let's take one more trade question, Chris mm -hmm. trade Damian Pierce and Sam Laporta for Joe Mixon. He has Mark Andrews currently. I'm a little hesitant to move to move Sam Laporta right now, but he does have Mark Andrews. What are your thoughts on this trade? Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm I'm keeping Pierce and Laporta, and I could do better than getting uh, Joe Mixon. Who, uh, yeah, the touches are great. I think he had 29 touches uh, last week, but you know, is there really going forward? If I told you Pierce and Mixon, how big of a difference it was going to be? Would you tell me it was so drastic? I don't know about that. That Texans offensive line is getting healthier by the week. I think Damian Pierce has got a good outlook going forward. Uh, it was a rough first month for him, but I think he improves in, in this season. And then you want to tell me you're sending Laporta, who's a top four tight end back? Hell no. There's weeks where I could flex out Laporta with Mark Andrews at the tight end position. So that's an absolute no for me. And shout out to 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 Chris Vaccaro, who's a noted zero RB guy back in the day, but I'll say you and Dan Williamson, <laughs> you and Dan Williamson, my friend from the goat district, you guys are our two that, you know, once in a while you look at your lineup and you're flexing the tight end. So you've done that in the past. And Hey, if you have Sam Laporta, Laporta is yeah. incredible. And let's stay at the, the tight end position, Chris, because last week was like a revenge of the tight ends. You had the oh, George yeah. Kittle game three touchdowns against the hapless Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Goddard. Uh, we finally see a Dallas Goddard, you know, smash game. This has been, you know, something where Dallas Goddard, a lot of the Philly newspapers talking about Dallas Goddard has no yak at all in like the first four weeks. And then he gets all these opportunities for yak gives you 25 points. Travis Kelsey gets you 22, which you drafted him for 22, but then you also had Darren Waller with eight catches despite New York struggles Darren Waller, the usage is starting to get there. So where are we at on some of these tight ends that were and what am I forgetting? Kyle Pitts, who we left for hey. dead. Kyle Pitts is back, baby. It just never yes, take else, just wait. So where are we at on like this? <laughs> these like the the tier of tight ends before Evan Ingram, the yes. the like the the mix of the guys that went after Kelsey, all starting to give you a little bit of production. Is this a one week thing? Who are who's here to stay? Yeah, I don't know. Theo was, uh, I was looking for it last week when George Kittle went off his month, his once a month uh, go off game. Now he'll go back to getting his five points every week for the next yeah. three or four weeks before his blow up 30 point week. And that's the, I think that's the situation for a lot of these guys. Uh, I was trying to see if uh, it was, uh, you know, every, every year they have that week where it's tight end uh, week. Yeah, um, you know, the tight end holiday that George, well, George Kittle, Kittle crea he created yeah. it. Yeah, so I thought like, it was yeah. maybe this past week. I thought it was yeah. maybe this Sunday because all the tight ends finally woke up and went off. Um, you know, that's what you're going to get with George Kittle. He was a complete fade for me. Uh, yeah, he has, you know, that this past Sunday was his week. But like I said, he goes right back into that role. 
Dallas Goddard, same thing. Um, I think his, I think he'll be more, a little more consistent going forward. They need that, um, you know, that third um, weapon in the pass game here in, in Philadelphia. And Devonta Smith has taken a complete backseat this past couple of weeks. I won't be surprised if this is Devonta Smith week uh, this upcoming Sunday here. Uh, with Sauce Gardner most likely uh, following A.J. Brown away every, every way he goes. It's, you know, it's almost time for Devonta Smith explosion game. But uh, Waller, it was nice to see him get all those targets. You have to say, if I had more confidence, if I want any of these three big ones that we were drafting in the in the top eight rounds between Waller, Goddard, and Kittle going forward, I'm still going back to Waller just because you see how this team is playing out now. They're always going to be trailing. They completely suck. And Waller should get those eight to 10 targets every week, uh, just like he did this past week. But it was nice to see all these guys get, uh, you know, back in our good graces again, because they were all getting to the point where we were looking at each other going, do we even play these guys anymore? We had to because of how bad the tight end position was. But for the elite top 100 guys like Pitts and and this, it was nice to see them contribute 15 plus point games. But it was also nice to see the bottom, the you know the back end guys like uh, Logan Thomas start yes. contributing here. Dalton Schultz had a nice week. Um, you know these guys are starting to, you know they're they're not available on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, but they're guys that were your tight end too that you're saying, all right, maybe now I could put them in my lineup and get twelve points every week from them, whereas. It was just looking like four, five, six points every week from all these tight ends. The, you know, the three for 33s every week we call the tight ends. Uh, So tight end position as a whole was a nice bump up this past week. Let's see if it continues going forward. I'm not so sure. Let's stick with Logan Thomas because Logan Thomas is going to be out there on some waiver wires for FFPC and NFFC managers. He looked like 2020 Logan Thomas last night and excuse me on Thursday night and Mm -hmm. The usage is there. Like we'll we'll touch on, we can touch on Curtis Samuel here too because Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, it's just not happening. Curtis Samuel has outproduced Jahan Dotson by a considerable amount. Uh, we could have a whole offseason show about why did what was the hysteria with Jahan Dotson that we both aided in, Chris. But the but what are we going to do with how we're treating Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas because they both look like guys we want to get in our lineup. Do you have a level of trust yeah. for both? Uh, well, yes. Uh, no, not trust. I don't think I could say that, Theo, because I think this Washington um, offense is a complete mystery to me. Yeah. And I was really let down across the board by this Washington offense last Thursday night versus Chicago, especially when they got down big. You're thinking, all right, this is time for Terry McLaurin and, and, and Dotson to start going off and get these crazy targets. And then all of a sudden – you know, Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel, who we look at, I think, across the board as a, as the third and fourth option and target in this offense, they were like the top two. Terry McLaurin was coming off the field in the red zone and not playing five, six snaps in a row. And you see Jamison Crowder out there. You see guys you didn't even know were around anymore. Um, so I don't know what's going on here in, in Washington. Obviously, Brian Robinson uh, in a smash spot. I know we all had Brian Robinson as a top 12 running back last week versus in that matchup. He completely bombed out. And it was the, uh, you know, it, it was, it sucked to see on a Thursday night. But Curtis Samuel, um, he, you saw people picking him up in some leagues last week going into that game. And 
you know, I think going forward now, you could look at him as a flex play. You know, I yeah. think it's, you know, early season Curtis Samuel again this year until he fizzles out late in the season. But uh, I didn't think this Washington offense was going to have so many options and weapons. And I don't want to call them weapons. Let's back up there for a second, Theo. But they have guys. You thought it was going to be a, you know, a consolidated target tree with Terry and Dotson this year. And that's why I like them. But now it's gone out to four or five guys here and they're spreading it around. Speaking of spreading it around, Cooper Cup makes his debut for the season, has a very strong oh, game, yeah. and Puka Nakua still gets a ton of targets and also has a strong game. We feel mm-hmm. really good about like, and then Van Jefferson, who's not really a threat for anything, but he got traded. So it's like you talk about consolidated target trees. This one seems really, really exi- uh, exciting and also very, very consolidated. It's a dream, Theo. Yeah. If you're if you're a Cooper Cup owner, a Puka Nakua owner, it's a dream right now. Uh, and it's so unexpected. And I know we talked about the Rams the last couple weeks on the show. It just went to another height, Theo. And the defense, even though we thought it would be way worse, it's not that bad, but it's still not a good defense. They're going to be in games where they're playing from behind. I think Matt Stafford is entering top 12 quarterback territory like QB one territory. Now that he's got Cooper cut back, even top 10, Theo. I I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's a hot take. I I don't think it is. Uh, I I think he's going to have weeks where he's a top five QB, you know, top five quarterback Cooper cup jumped off the screen uh, last week in his first game back and just looked like old Cooper cup to me, Theo. Yeah. And going forward, there's enough in this past game for Cooper Cup to be the elite wide receiver one and Puka Nakua to be an elite wide receiver two in your fantasy lineup. It's a dream going forward if you own either of these guys, both of these guys. Um, I'm really high on this Rams offense uh, going forward. And I don't know how many other wide receivers would you put a cup if we were drafting today again, Theo? Who, how, what receivers would you put ahead of Cooper Cup? Maybe I'm just going overboard with how much I think Cooper Cup is going to smash going forward. I don't think Puka Nakua is going to be a negative impact no. on him. I think he's just going to be a like, let's look at this offense like AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. Now, I know Devonta Smith's been struggling, but I think you got to look at it just like, you know, the Jamar Chase T. Higgins of the world, the, you know, the, those deadly combinations of top two receivers that we have a wide receiver one and two. But, you know, to me, I, I have Cooper Cup as a as a top three wide receiver overall rest of season if I was drafting right now. Well, let's do this right now. Who's your wide receiver yeah. one rest of season? I'll take Tyreek Hill as mine. Uh, I agree. Tyreek Hill is one. So we're both on Tyreek Hill as one. Yeah. Now, how about number two? Right now, I'm going to go it's with Stephon Diggs because of, you know, the chance that Joe Burrow gets knocked. But I'll go mm. Diggs and then I'll go Chase. How about you? All right. So that, that is an interesting thing because I, I, you know, this topic is based around me and my obsession right now with Diggs. I, I think that we went a little too far with the Diggs hate in draft season, Theo, to the point where he was falling to that well, back Nelson, end. Well, Nelson, Susa, and I – took him six overall in our New York super Chris. So the hate two geniuses, I mean, two, just two brilliant fantasy minds, Theo. 
It's funny what happened with Diggs, though. I mean, I don't want to get off the topic. We'll get right back to it. But it is funny what happened with Diggs because in July and August, I have shares of Diggs at 14th overall, 13th overall at the turn. If you remember an online championship season, he was falling to the back end of round one, early round two, because of all the controversy surrounding him. And people would just, he was that elite wide receiver one that people were starting to fade and get sour on. And what a mistake it was, Theo. It wasn't until late in the draft season, those final two weeks where I think as a fantasy community, we all said, you know what? I think we're, looking at this guy negatively for no reason. He's got the superstar quarterback. He is the elite alpha wide receiver one in a big offense. And we brought him back into that five, six, seven overall range where he is. But going forward with everything that's surrounded him, the way this offense doesn't have a third option where we thought maybe Kincaid or someone else would jump into, I would have Diggs as my number two receiver after Hill as well. That's how high I am on Diggs. It's not that drastic of a take, obviously, because he was going mid-first round. But I think Diggs, if we were drafting again, should be the second or third overall pick. Uh, so I have him right there. So well. you have you have Diggs at two, and then you said you have Cooper Cup at three. Uh, yeah, I have Cup there. And, and uh, you know, it was a tough call between Cup and Chase, who I have three and four. So for me, I don't want to put Cup at, at four. I want to put mm -hmm. I'm actually super, super intrigued by the recent usage for AJ Brown. And I think the quality okay. of the offense and his potential to just dominate the weeks. I'm gonna go AJ Brown as my four. So we're both through wide receiver four. Who would be your wide receiver five after Hill, Diggs, Cup, and Chase? Another tough call came down to two guys, but uh Devontae Adams, another guy yep. that I think we looked at. Uh, you know, in a negative light. And to be honest with you, he was the answer in the second round at wide receiver out of all these guys. And it just seemed like we wanted to take, and we saw it in, the, in you know, in draft season, guys putting Waddle ahead of him, Alave ahead of him, uh, Devonta Smith sometimes ahead of him. Just, you know, it, it seemed like Devontae Adams was that guy that was taking a back seat to all these elite wide receiver ones and again, wrongfully so. And Devontae Adams is just a complete monster target hound. Uh, didn't have a big game this past Monday, but that's because of the shoulder, I think. Uh, I think they wanted to go a little bit of away from him. But from what we saw the first four weeks of the season, Devontae Adams is this guy that's just going to be that, you know, 10 to 15 targets every week, 8, 9, 10 catches, uh, complete alpha. And I will say this uh, before I throw it back to you for your number five, Theo. It was a close call between Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen for me. And Keenan Allen's five. my Keenan Allen's my five. So I I leave okay. Cup, I leave Cup and Adams out of there, but they'd obviously be mm -hmm. like the next guys. But I think you you're right with Keenan Allen, and I think Keenan Allen. We've already had a 45 point week out of him, and we've had a 30 point week out of him, and now you have the fact that Mike Williams is not there. I think that Keenan Allen could just go off the rest of the season. And when we talk about like the quality of the quarterback, we don't have any question marks about Justin Herbert. We know that he's uh, right. a locked in stud. Uh, whereas some of these other guys we've listed, you have the, you know, the Joe Burrow concerns. You have obviously Jimmy Garoppolo concerns and Keenan Allen for me, I don't have anything to worry about. The only negative with Keenan Allen is his age. And I can't like, you know, I'm not an ageist with wide receivers. So all of them. Yeah. Think about think about yeah. most of these guys that we just mentioned. Devontae Adams is getting a little older. Cooper Cup is 30. 
Yeah. You know, all these guys are starting to get a little up uh, besides uh, Jamar Chase. Diggs is getting older. But guess what? Kings stay kings, Theo. Yeah, that's right. Kings stay kings. We're always looking for the next big thing, the next young thing. This year, it was it was smart to just stay safe and go with these veteran wide receivers. These guys are still the alphas. Speaking of alphas, before we get out of here, we're going to give Chris is going to give out another alpha type bet. Last week on the Fantasy Empire, <laughs> Chris Vaccaro gave you the Jacksonville Jaguars money line. And you remember that, Theo. I, I was wondering I, if you remembered that, my you friend. You know, it's funny. It's funny. My wife tells me I forget stuff, but when it comes to fantasy football and NFL, it's like a vault, Chris. It, it, you know, <laughs> the other stuff in my life, I'll forget, but football-wise, you know, I'm good with it. But I, before we the, touch on the gambling. Theo, 100%, you, Theo. Lead pipe winners yeah. from Chris Vaccaro. But yeah, you're, you're the same way, Chris. You know, you'll forget people's names, <laughs> but you'll remember the third string running back on like the Bears name. Well, that's easy. You'll remember the the fourth string running back oh. on the Bears name and the fullback's name, but you can't I remember, remember my like ninth round pick. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. I remember um, my ninth round draft pick who I took in, a, in an August draft, but I can't remember what I did yesterday. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's selective memory, people. It's the things we value the most, we remember the most. And let's uh, let's quickly talk about one guy we did mm-hmm. not discuss when we're ranking wide receivers, but it's wild based on this strong play that we've seen the last two weeks. DJ Moore has given us a 27 pointer and then a 49 pointer. Uh, he basically effectively ended your week if you were going against him last Thursday. It's all sort of coming together. And I'm going to give you Chicago's next three games, Chris. Mm-hmm. Chicago plays Minnesota in Chicago. Then they play Vegas in Chicago, and then they go play the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. So Justin Fields, DJ Moore have three potential smash games coming up. What are your thoughts on DJ Moore? The revival. It's crazy, Theo. You know, and I think we see this every year, Theo, and we're so quick to, um, you know, judge over what we see for the first three or four weeks and then say, this is, this guy's going to be a bust all season long, but we see it. There's a handful of guys and teams that they struggle out of the gate, whether it's like a slow because of the preseason, the way it's set up nowadays. But I think we just need to stick with our draft beliefs, you know, all summer long when we start the season. Yeah. There might be some struggles early, but these guys broke out and now DJ Moore goes from being a complete bust pick in our eyes in the third round through the first three weeks to now looking like the answer in the third round at receiver. Uh, So, you know, you have to look at him as an elite wide receiver, one top 10 guy going forward. Justin Fields has turned the corner. Now he looks great. These last couple weeks, DJ Moore is another guy that just commands wide receiver one alpha targets every week with not much behind him in the past game. And the schedule sets up perfectly. So, um, if you have DJ Moore and you and you made it through the storm of, of the first couple of weeks, well, now you get the sunny days going forward. There's no reason why this guy shouldn't be 20 plus points uh, on a weekly basis here uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think that it's it's incredible, but it's yet another wide receiver gets traded and and smashes and it's been yeah. happening every single year. And people want to get want to fade it, and they want to say it's not going to happen. But we have question marks about the Bears, but certainly not DJ Moore. Like they uh-huh. they told you exactly what they were going to do with him in that first preseason game where he scored a touchdown mm-hmm. on a screen pass, and people wanted to ignore it. But you know, you had a couple of weeks where it was a little bit slow. You had one dud week, 
but two weeks where he's a winner for you. So, and it I'm sets up perfectly. Yeah. It sets up perfectly because guess what? We play this game of fantasy, not real life. We don't care that the team sucks. We want the team That's to right. pretty much suck when we have a Fields or DJ Moore going. Uh, you know, especially DJ Moore. Get you know, tr- I want to see end of the first quarter them down seventeen to three. You know, now I know I'm set up for three quarters of a DJ Moore field day of fields throwing from behind and, and playing. You know, those are the, the dream setups uh, a, a lot of times. So uh, it's crazy. But, you know, to your point, Theo, uh, I know we all play in our home leagues and stuff. It's funny. I have DJ Moore in a big home league. And and after that Thursday night, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm you know, nice win for me. Big number. Only Sunday I'm playing against the Jamar Chase team. Okay, and he matches him. So what's the chances? We rarely see these, you know, these crazy explosion 50 point fantasy games. You know, there's only a small handful of them every year. And to happen in the same week to these two struggling receivers in DJ Moore and Jamar Chase, it was just great to see. Those are the fun weeks. Those are the fun games when you're sitting there watching them and a Chase or DJ Moore gets another touchdown and that you just see the points piling up. That's what makes this fun. Uh, there's so much struggling and, and so many down things that we go through as fantasy players watching our teams and, and players struggle. But when you have those Sundays of players going ape shit, those are what really make this uh, hobby uh, really fun. And I'll say, you know, Thursday games take a, take a big knock. Like a lot of people don't like them. I love Thursday football. It's, I mean, we're going to complain about extra football. That's a whole Mm -hmm. nother show, Chris, but people want to complain about everything. But there's almost no greater feeling than when you have a Thursday night smash game. You know, you can feel the win for it. It takes the kind (laughs) of like the pressure off your back and you can, you can like bank a win for the whole weekend. And there's no, there's less pressure on lineup decisions. Like to have a Justin Fields, uh, and DJ Moore stack rocking, or even for so that many matter, of them, or a Theo, you saw Cole them Komet, even. A yeah, Theo, how many good. did you see? I don't know about you through all your leagues, and I know we play a ton of volume, we have a ton of teams, but it just seemed like on Friday morning going through your leagues and stuff, there were so many Justin Fields, DJ Moore combinations. And I know we live in a fantasy industry and world nowadays where stacking is all the rage. You know, if you get Chase in the first round, you want to try and get that third round burrow. And, and so many of these stacks, but I didn't realize there were so many teams that were focused in on getting the third round DJ Moore and bringing them and hooking them up with fields. So I must've went through six or seven different leagues where, you know, you look up and it was like a hundred points on the board for, you know, certain teams in my leagues with fields, DJ Moore combination. And man, you know, you're not kidding, man. When you wake up uh, and you're the DJ Moore or Justin Fields or both, owners on Friday morning, the coffee tastes better. The, you know, you, you're skipping through the park. Uh, you, you know, you want to take uh, the wife out to a nice dinner uh, that Friday night and going into Sunday, the expectations and the, uh, you know, you start dreaming of, is this the, is this the week where I go two twenty five maybe two fifty point wise? Is this, I have a hundred points banked already and I got all, you know, eight players left. Those are the weeks that really make it fun when you wake up Sunday morning knowing you have a DJ Moore already locked in your lineup with 50-plus points. So uh, it, it's true. It changes your whole outlook for the weekend because for sickos like us. Yeah, that's that's right. And, you know, every, nothing nothing really seems to bother you. But I'll say this. Roshan Johnson, Chris, you know, this yeah. is a guy that we talked about in the pre-show as, you know, one of those guys you were drafting in that 
you know, the high end, the Bigsby range, the eight chain range, the Charbonnet range, maybe a little bit behind those guys. But Roshan Johnson yeah. looks like he's set to get his opportunity. What are your thoughts on Roshan? And also add in your thoughts on Deonta Foreman, who's going to get a big number of fab bids in a lot of these NFFC and FFPC leagues. Yeah, really interesting situation here because I I hear over the last you know twenty four hours a lot of people seem to be favoring Foreman as going into this upcoming week and I, I and I yeah I know the concussion I, the concussion I, I, well I I know it's with the expectation that maybe form um, Roshan Johnson isn't ready but you know this game was on a Thursday where he got banged up with the concussion so he has the extra four days to recover and uh, yeah well let's wait to see the practice uh, reports we could you know. CA Roshan clear concussion protocol today and, and everybody's full go. Hopefully we do get that. And then the Foreman bids, I think will be uh, reduced if Foreman, if it's flipped and Roshan doesn't practice today and still hasn't uh, cleared, then you're going to see the Foreman people going into their uh, Foreman bids and moving up. But I'm super excited for Roshan Johnson's um, outlook going forward. It was a guy I was heavily invested uh, in. Uh, I was trying to get him. I, you know, I talked with Nando with this in August that one of my main um, draft strategies was to grab a Khalil Herbert in that eighth round range and then make sure I jumped up a round or two and got Roshan Johnson just to have the combination of these two guys. And I look across a lot of my leagues and I did it. And it sucks that I lost Khalil Herbert with the high ankle sprain that I, you know, when I saw the high ankle sprain that Herbert had it's going to be one of those situations where don't believe this two week crap no. this is a uh you know this is a high ankle sprain that's going to cost him four to six weeks so you're not going to see forget about khalil herbert for the foreseeable future roshan johnson has a chance now to take over this backfield show what he's about uh i love the kid i think he's going to be a future rb1 star um and Hopefully he's back in the lineup. He gets great matchups going forward, starting with this week in Minnesota. I think Foreman will be a, a, one of those desperation flex plays, RB2s if you need help to get 8, 10 points. Maybe he gets in the end zone. Both of them are going to be useful, but Roshan Johnson has the opportunity here versus Minnesota to have a game where he gets 15 to 20 carries, take over the role, and this time next week we're talking about him as a, a low-end RB1. Uh, for the next month or two, and maybe even the rest of the season, if he takes the job and runs with it, no pun intended. Yeah, and I think that the the most attractive thing about his game, he's a fine runner, but it's a big back who can catch the ball. And those big backs that, that provide some receiving yeah. ability, it, you're insulated. It doesn't take a whole lot for you to end up being like RB12 on the week, RB15 on the week. So he's got some safety in his yeah. game as well. So, Chris, we just before we get out of here, we're over an hour. Give us a prediction on the winning bids for Deonta Foreman and Amari DiMercato. These two guys who are kind of sitting on the waiver wires. Like, like uh, this is it's tough. I'm going to say both of them it go is. north of 20%. I think it's going to be 200 mm-hmm. plus for, for both of them. I'm going to go 231 for D. For Di Mercado average bid, and I'm going to say 211 average bid for Deonta Foreman. Where are you at? I think you're. I think you're right in the ballpark there, Theo. And I think it's going to depend on how desperate certain teams are in this league, uh, in in our leagues, for uh, help at running back. I think you'll see three, four plus hundred on Di Mercado for those uh, particular teams that are desperate. 
uh, that can bring in a guy that could give you 10, 12 fantasy points for me. Uh, I think D Mercado will be um, higher uh, bid wise average than Foreman will be because he's stepping right into a spot where we expect him to be the top um, running back here. But let's not forget about Keontae Ingram and he's available on waiver wires and he's yep. going to demand some money too, because we don't know it, how this backfield is going to shake out. So I'll say D Marcato in that 250 range, 250, 300 range and Foreman in that 180 to 225 range as well. Now, Chris, this is the the moment where, you know, we got a lot of people tuning in right now. Uh, appreciate all the appreciate all the live viewers. Um, this has been really, really a fun one today. And uh, guys, if you uh, we didn't get to everybody's questions, I'll take one quick one. Uh, Chuka Baby said, "Should we trade Gibbs for Roshan Johnson in Dynasty?" No, in Dynasty, I want Jameer Gibbs one hundred percent. Don't do that. Um, and then Chef wants to say that he told us all to go get Demarcado. I got some Demarcado bags. Any team I split with Billy Muzio, we got Demarcado, and I got a bunch of teams. With one dollar Mercado ad, so I, I got some. I got some bags of Chef. Do you have oh, some Mercado, yeah. uh, Chris, to flex on? Did I do? Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, me and uh, Mike Edelman, we picked him up for two bucks last uh, week on a team we split, and I got a bunch of bags on Mercado at ten dollars or less in the last two weeks as well. Um, if you were in a league with you or Nelson Sousa, uh, you know, you, you probably don't have Mercado because you guys uh, were ahead of the uh, the curve on that one a, a few weeks back. So shout out to you guys for getting a lot of uh, $5 or less Demarcados. Nelson's but, uh, really yeah, good with nice Nelson's, really good. Nelson's really good with spotting the, yeah. the, the waivers before they happen. And shout out to Michael Edelman, yes, Michael Edelman. You don't see him on so many podcasts, but he's one of the best players in the world. Um, probably the no best, doubt. the best player in the state of New Jersey, I would say is Michael Edelman. I think that's a, that's a fair shake, Chris. Fair shake to everybody out there in Jersey. Uh, that's a... <laughs> but listen, we'll do next week. Next week, they will do rankings of best fantasy football players state? in by state. <laughs> I can, I can, you know, New York. New York's a very difficult one, and you you definitely hurt some feelings. But I'll tell you this: yeah. Nebraska's easy. Chad Schroeder is Nebraska. Sure. Texas is tough because you have Dave Hubbard and a B bag Batoba and okay. Noah Rudell. They got. I could go state by state here with you. Uh, Billy Wazowski's got to be the best player in the state of Virginia. Yeah. Got to be. Is, is Billy in Virginia or Pennsylvania? I thought Billy's in Virginia. We, 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 this is a good conversation, though. We, we might have to do that one. one. This is going to hurt some feelings. You're going to get some people cursing us out. Oh, um, people be calling. People yeah. be texting me. Where the hell? I live in California. How yeah. dare you forget me? They're going to be. They're going to be showing you their their receipts. Uh, you know, and say, listen, you know, I got the receipts. But Chris, you got the receipts from the gambling yeah. perspective and. You know, this is a fantasy football show, but it's also a Chris giving out winners show for free. And remind everybody where they can come down and say thank you in person and maybe purchase a meal and a couple of drinks, Chris, if they want to chat chat football with you. Yeah, man. If I if you uh, took Jacksonville Moneyline and the points last week, then uh, you should come through uh, to Greenwich Street Tavern in, in New York City in Tribeca and uh, spend a couple of those uh, the bucks that uh, you won with my uh, Jags pick. And I don't know, did I also give the Jets uh, as my second best bet on this show, Theo, or, or in my article last week? Those are my two best bets for last week with Jacksonville and the I Jets. think on on so. on your on the show it was just the Jaguars, but yeah. but nice call with the, the Jets as well. But yeah. trust Jaguars me, I'm not was, always on the money like that. But last week was a good week for gambling. You specifically gave out the money line, which makes it even more special. Uh, the the Jags were what a five point dog, six point dog. 
The Jaguars were five and a half or five six, and, and money line they were plus two ten. And uh, they made that game a little too close for my liking. They should have blew the Bills off the field in the first half. They uh, are still struggling. They still let uh, Buffalo hang around. But at the end of the day, uh, they held down. But the arrow's pointing up for our Jacksonville Jaguars. Theo. Big time. Uh, big time. You know? Yeah, big time. Still not, we're still not where we're at, where we want to be with Jacksonville's offense, with Lawrence and, and all these guys. And hopefully, well, I don't want to say hopefully, but Zay Jones did get banged up again. In that game, he might miss some more time now with that knee issue that kept him out the last couple of weeks. If you're a Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram owner, and Zay Jones misses some times, it's time to smash on those guys uh, once again here going forward. Jacksonville just might be that offense and team that they needed to get through the first three or four weeks, get over the hurdle, and now going forward, their offense is going to keep growing uh, week in and week out, in my opinion. And shout out to the King of England. Whatever you said to those Jaguars when you were in the locker room, it worked. Uh, shout out, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to King Charles. So, yeah. King yeah. of the Car over here, give us the lead pipe lock, the okay. hundred unit, the hundred unit guaranteed game. Give us, give uh, us the game you're looking at. Or I'm you gonna give us give, two. I'm going to give you, you two real. I'm going to give you two real quick and one possible major upset. Uh, I'm laying the six and a half with the Rams at home. Back to back home games for the Rams. They come up short versus the Eagles. Uh, Arizona's in shambles. I think Stafford and that Rams offense with Cup now, they win something like 34 to 13 at home over Arizona. I'm laying the six and a half with the Rams this week. That's my top play. I also really like Baltimore to bounce back off of a bad loss going to England, uh, going to London, laying the three and a half or four versus a Titans team that I think sucks. Um, I think the Ravens are getting healthy. They, uh, they're getting Ronnie Stanley uh, healthy couple guys back on defense. I think the Ravens win this game by a, a touchdown uh, plus uh, over there. Bounce back game for Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens and the Rams uh, are my top two plays I'd lay the points with. And then I want to – this is, sounds crazy because the line just smells terribly. Everyone's going to see San Francisco's only laying five and a half or six points. The best team in the NFL. Why versus the Browns are they only laying that point? Going on the road after an emotional high versus Dallas, smashing Dallas, being 5-0 and now. San Francisco's looking great. Now they go on the road unmotivated into enemy territory uh, versus Cleveland. If Deshaun Watson gets the go-ahead end of this week, I'll money line the Browns. Theo, this is a perfect spot for a, one of those, how the hell did San Francisco lose early in the season type game versus a decent Cleveland Browns team? If they have Watson healthy, Theo, Give me the Browns, the points, and money line. Teams coming off a of bye are always dangerous to bet against. They have two weeks to prepare, and they should be getting healthier. Go. So this was a lot of fun. Chris, yeah. let everybody know where they can find your work. Yeah, Theo, thanks for stepping in for Nando again. Always fun uh, doing the show with you. Um, and uh, you can catch me at The Athletic. My article every Thursday comes out um, at The Athletic. And uh, at, on Twitter, Chris Vaccaro, GST. And you can find all my written work at Player Profiler. Uh, I'm going to be back later tonight with Adam Levitan of Establish the Run for a press coverage. Uh, we're actually going to be airing that at 9 o'clock tonight. It's going to be pre-recorded. So if you're yelling lineup questions at me in the chat and I am and <laughs> I start to say questions and I'm not replying, it's because it's pre-recorded. But tune in tonight at 9 o'clock, Adam Levitan of Establish the Run on press coverage. And then First Class Fantasy tomorrow, John Daigle of 4 for 4. Uh, tune in every week here to the Fantasy Empire at, at 1130 or 11 once in a while 
But right in this this wheelhouse uh, in the morning, make sure you follow Chris Vaccaro. Make sure you follow Nando Defino, uh, and stick with us here, Player Profiler. We've got you covered all week long with some awesome shows. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your week and crush your leagues this weekend. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.